Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And a big thank you to everybody who was involved or made contact about episode 100 of the podcast. It was tremendous fun doing it in front of you all, but now we're back, baby. Back to living rooms, back to (laughs) just the standard setup. And I can't wait to get back into it and do another 100, with today being episode 101 What else could we do but 101 Dalmatians? We're doing the 1961 animated original, not the uh, 96 Glenn Close edition, though. So uh, if you're a Glenn Close uh, fan, uh, I guess you're Glenn Close, but no cigar. (laughs) Joining me, as always, we have uh, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Chris Buckle. Hello. How are you, Chris? I'm doing very well, Stephen. Thank you. Excellent. And you have never seen... 101 Dalmatians, and as I said that, a dog ran into the room to stare at you accusingly. <laughs> exactly. I I haven't seen 101 Dalmatians, I haven't seen one Dalmatian, um, but I am not a big purveyor of Disney films, so for the most part, this is where I watched them for the first time, mm. except for a few that were just stuck around, but yeah. It's one way to get through them. It certainly is. Mm. Uh, do you have a favourite Disney film? Uh, um... Probably, uh, which one have I seen? Um, no. No. <laughs> you just flat out, no, no favourite. No. That's that's okay. Maybe you'll have one after today. I mean, I keep thinking uh, Fern Gully, but I know that wasn't Disney. So. No, afraid not. Sorry. Um, so what, what do you know about 101 Dalmatians? What are you expecting from this film? I think, uh, so dogs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as a uh, long time cat lover and come from a long line of cat families um uh, which is not half cat half human but uh just full human but yeah. fully entrenched in cat culture culture yeah you're not exactly. a tabaxi so you. you're not a kajit it's fine <laughs> no but you can see my wares mm-hmm. um uh so i got that reference <laughs> Good. That's something that was a bit weird. Um, no, so 101 Dalmatians sounds almost like a bit of a horror film for me. You know, mm. I mean, I imagine 101 of any animal would get a bit hectic, but I, I'd prefer 101 cats or turtles to yeah, I'm, I'm 101 dogs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you're dogs. getting up to 101 cats, actually, I think it would work for dogs as well, unless you're a breeder or a pound. The RSPCA is probably going to come visit you. That's true. Hopefully. Well, with the wise words about the RSPCA joining us as our guest who has seen the film, uh, who last appeared all the way back in episode 100. <laughs> That's right, two shows in a row for Katrina Johnston. How are you? Hi, Stephen. I'm very good. I'm I'm actually no longer sleep deprived because I've had a rest now. Mm-hmm. Not saying that 
Although that makes it sound like your your podcasts are very tiring. It's not from the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they can be. Uh, they can yeah, be. Yeah, the, the 100th was particularly uh, particularly fun in that respect. Yeah. You have seen 100 One Dalmatians. Yes, I have. Um, when did you actually last see it? Um, I can't remember. It was probably early high school, maybe even primary school. Um, like, like Chris, I'm not a massive rewatcher of Disney films. Mm -hmm. And when I do, they're kind of in the background, um, when I'm maybe cleaning the house or something like that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, probably. I was very surprised to realise it's 1961. Yeah, it's, it's quite old. Yeah. uh, I mean, obviously not as old as something like Snow White, but it's Mm. certainly, it's, it's from the sort of the troubled dark period of Disney when they mm. were they were not doing as well financially. Yeah, and like I knew it was when I saw the 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 second tier, so to speak, of of Disney, where the first tier is like you know Snow White, Aladdin, mm. um, Beauty and the Beast, and yeah, a couple of the other ones. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of the ones that isn't as popular. I was aware of that, um, but yeah, mm. which is um which is the sort of common uh popular images from this is it from the 90s movie or is it from the 60s movie so i mean i've yeah i've seen flashes of imagery from it over my life probably i think having having recently been to um disneyland uh paris Mm. uh, or disney world you're a disney yeah you're a disney um i i was there a couple of months ago and there's certainly a lot less um related sort of merchandise or stuff from the the live action film it's all more the animated stuff that's around there that could be possibly because of rights i'm gonna maybe? say it probably is yeah. um yeah you know in the same way when you go to the shops and there's a lot more darth vader and chewbacca pillows than there is han solo or luke skywalker because mm. they have image rights those actors yeah. um but yeah the the i think the images are the cartoon images are very well known but i think in terms of a cruella de vil i would arguably say glenn close is is about yeah. on par with the animated one it's yeah. I, I would I, for for me personally, when I think of 101 Dalmatians, I do think of the live action film. Mm. Um, possibly maybe because it's more recent. Um, mm. you know, I think it was like late 90s, something like that. Yeah, 96. Um, yeah, and I did. I yeah the the actor character the actor characters <laughs> the human characters in mm. that are quite memorable. Mm. I honestly can't remember what the animal characters were like in the cartoon version in the mm. animation version i mean so. not not to talk about the film we're not watching but mm. you also have hugh laurie and um ron weasley's yes. dad as, yes well, i did as enjoy the two baddies yeah and they are quite enjoyable very slapstick very hilarious yeah uh but for me actually it's the cartoon one that i always go back to but it's because mm. my sister um who um, w- might actually be listening to this episode. Uh, she I is even sister. Oh, you beat me to it, Chris. <laughs> yes, hello, Rebecca. Uh, she, when we were younger, loved this film. This yeah. was her absolute favorite. She still loves Dalmatians, mm. and um, we watched this. This was one of the ones that was on high rotation for us mm. because of my sister's um, fascination with Dalmatians. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, for me, it was I think Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Beauty and the Beast because we had the videos. Mm. And yeah. as we've established, Chris has no favourite uh, Disney film. Um, which is from pure lack of... Exposure. Exposure, thank you. Mm. Um, All right, well, shall we expose you to this one and let the audience watch as well? I'm ready to be exposed. <laughs> okay, uh, for those of you watching at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare to join in the Twilight Bark as we watch 101 Dalmatians. Dalmatians. 
welcome back everybody. We have just finished watching 101 Dalmatians and I'm joined once again by Chris Buckle. Hello. And Katrina Johnston. Hello. So Chris, uh, oh, I should say we're also joined by Oscar the dog who uh, watched <laughs> the film with us as well. Yeah. Uh, what breed is Oscar? He's a Moodle. He's a Maltese Poodle. And hopefully he'll be nice and quiet whilst we're recording. Hopefully. But uh, he may have some opinions to share about yeah, the dogs. Didn't see any Moodles in that film. No, oh, well, there was a poodle. Mm. And I mean, some of the breeds, some of the dogs that you saw in it were like kind of indetermined breeds, mm. undetermined breeds, not mm. indetermined. Um, <laughs> yep, used to be an English teacher. Um, <laughs> Emphasis so, used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so uh, Chris, this was your first time watching 101 Dalmatians. What did you think? Um, I thought it was fun. It was pretty cute. Um, I I didn't expect it, and I but I liked that it was from the dog's perspective sort of thing. Like mm. when the narration comes in and it's, it's Pongo, it's not the dude. Mm. Um, whose name was... Roger. Roger, Roger that's yeah. it. Yes, it wasn't very, Roger. Very, very typical 1960s male name, I, f- I find, I <laughs> yeah. feel. Yeah, Roger and Anita certainly did yeah. feel as though it was uh, time appropriate. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, I'd, I'll be honest, I'd forgotten about that framing device of the narration yeah, as well. I'd forgotten about that. I knew the dog spoke in it mm-hmm. um, because that, you know, that's a very classic Disney thing to do. Yeah. I mean, think Jungle Book and things like that, which is, I think, is of the same era. And Aristocats. Yeah. Yeah, these are all sort of like 50s, 60s films. Yeah, they're where, all around the same age, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Disney had kind of started with their talking animals way back in Bambi. So, you know, mm. it's, it's mm. kind of like, this is something that they did. Um, but yeah, having it from the dog's perspective, having it in a contemporary setting, I suppose, for the time the film yeah. was released, I think would have been quite fun. Um, I like that they referred to the humans as their pets. Yeah, yeah. That was I was cute. Like, oh. It was, it was, it was fun. And yeah, we. <laughs> but we... they still referred to their puppies. Even the animals referred to the puppies as stolen, not mm. kidnapped, which mm. I found interesting. Yeah. Um, because it's like, oh, so even though they're referring to the humans as pets, they're mm. still referring to themselves technically as objects. Yeah. Or, mm. Um, well, maybe it's because the dogs don't have a legal system, so they're just using the terminology in from the maybe, human system. Maybe. Yeah. Although, you know, they may have a legal system. There was know. dog napping in the newspaper headline. That's yeah. true. Presumably not written by a dog. No. Yeah. Although, so. we don't know. Yeah. We yeah. don't. As, in this as, film. As um, Eddie Izzard said mm-hmm. in, a show, in the show that I saw him do recently, um, you know, dogs have yet to write a book, but <laughs> apparently it would be entitled Assassins! <laughs> Yeah, and so it, it was interesting seeing Pongo and Roger, you know, they're bachelors, and Pongo's a bit over being a bachelor, but he understands that he needs Roger to mm. uh, to, to get into a relationship for that to be effective. So he starts just checking out women on the street with dogs in a kind of weird and slightly creepy way. A little, but... Yeah, it, I mean, it, he knows what he wants. Yeah, that's true, and that's like, another Dalmatian. Strangely enough, and... and... Listeners who have heard me on other episodes will know I am I am not afraid of discussing gender politics within our films that are not modern and so probably don't stand up to modern ideals and things like that. But the gender politics in this kind of didn't bother me as much, strangely yeah. enough. I mean, it's, it wasn't so concerned with the humans, I felt, and it didn't mm. have to necessarily get into so many areas where it would show its time yeah Um, definitely so i think it was more the only thing that i think kind of struck as and again it was just a language thing i don't think it was a Mm. deliberate thing was the fact that the ponga and ponga and perdita together were just referred to as the pongos Pongos. which 
Yeah, which did yeah. did did kind of weird. But then again, Pongo is the is the protagonist, yes. so it sort of makes sense that if if this is Pongo's story, then mm. then that they would do mm. that. But they yeah, were equally but her that, Dalmatians. Though. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's the that's kind of the weird thing that I realized that yeah, Pongo is the protagonist, but Purdy's there for the exact same mm. thing. Mm. She's in the exact same position, and yeah, it's a little bit strange that she's she's not. In a way, like I understand, sometimes it's just easier mm. in mm. terms of character. Um, I mean, it is yeah. also based on based on a book, and the book mm. was written from Pongo's perspective. So, mm. you know, they they kept that through from the book. But that's also one of the interesting things. I read this article. Um, <laughs> here's me going. Yeah, I'm not that worried about gender, but we're going to we're going to talk mm. about gender of a 1960s the gender mm. issues in a 1960s film. Um, there has been a study looking into how many characters in children's books are female, you mm. know, non-human characters, and the majority of them are not. Mm. Yeah. So the, the point was, even when we take the humans out of the story, so to speak, mm. our gender biases still sit there yeah. quite heavily. Yeah, yeah. yeah certainly. Um, but, but this particular film, um, to be honest, with, with the exception of that, I feel as mm. though it's... Aside from the bit where there is a dog, like, checking out the suitability yes. of, of humans. But maybe, you know, he, he was looking at humans the same way humans look at dog breeds when they go to yes. breed their dogs. You know, mm-hmm. so he's looking at the... Stance, muscle ratio. But, yeah, yeah. It's, also, it's also something that humans just do. Mm. I mean, mm. we do judge each other very, like, quickly through um, looking at sense of dress mm. and, like... Mm style and how you hold yourself and things like that mm. um it's and one of the first ways of knowing that someone's yeah. not a serial killer yeah and yeah and as much as that yeah that has its problems it's mm. also just how we how we work and i think as long as we recognize that that's not too bad mm. yeah and, i mean it's why this yeah. program's in an audio medium and not visual <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah we have um we have pongo managing to get uh roger and anita together by uh using the what should be called the Pongo maneuver, not the <laughs> Luke Skywalker maneuver of uh, wrapping the legs up with the with the string and then get them to fall over. It uh, does predate. Yeah, Amen. so from now on, that is the Pongo maneuver. Um, but yeah, he he gets them to fall over into a pond and then they aggressive laugh. matchmaking. Yeah. It is it is the meat cute. It is, and then they mm. laugh about the size of their um, their handkerchiefs. No, I think I thought they were more laughing at the, the he was the, trying the, to the help, wet. but they were they were just they were soggy. Both as ridiculously yeah. unable to help each other as the other. Yeah, it was you know it was a cute moment, and then bam, mm. they're married. Yeah, which I, that's how it happens. To be honest, I quite liked how this uh, this film yeah. made its decisions. It started at the interesting point, it ended at an interesting point. Mm. There was no filler. Like it's it's pretty concise. It was yes. seventy seven minutes according to the DVD yeah. box, and it's mm. not a moment of it feels at least to me like it's dragging. Yeah, the pacing's quite good. Yeah, and so yeah, I like it's like cool. They get married, great. They're having puppies. Like it's yeah. it's very quick. But in those opening sort of ten minutes, we also are introduced to Cruella Deville, mm. arguably the mm-hmm. um, one of Disney's more iconic villains. It's certainly one of the more well known. Who ones. seems to have absolutely. No backstory. Yeah, yeah. No. She is just a school evil. friend okay. of Anita. She is she is an evil school friend. Yes. And I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> At least in the live action, she mm. had a bit more uh a bit more of a backstory. There was a reason why she wanted to to ha- make a, a Dalmatian coat. Mm. In this, she just loved fur, darling. It's yes. lovely. Yeah, which I'm like, cool. That's a reason, kind of, but usually not enough of a reason to commit a crime. Mm. Mm. But this is, I mean, Cruella is obviously 
wealthy, although we don't know where her wealth comes from. Mm. Uh, she's obviously I judging think, people. I feel like it's kind of suggested because the hell house that where the puppies are kept. Yeah, hell hall. Yeah, hell hall. That's right. Um, which really reminded me of Voldemort's house in Harry Potter mm. um, and Maleficent's house, uh, castle. Um, the the Jasper and Mor- Morris? Horace. Horace. They were throwing darts at a picture. Mm-hmm. I think she's married wealthy and he's died. Um, Could be, yeah. 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 Yeah, that would make sense. And then, yeah, she's obviously, yeah, she's wearing that big polar bear skin coat or mm. whatever fur coat it is that she's got. And she's, the only thing we know that she likes in this whole world is fur. And, yeah. And she's got a very nihilistic viewpoint, Chris. Mm. You know, she's saying, fur is the only thing that makes me happy in this horrible, ghastly world. Yeah, maybe something happened to Cruella early in life or at some period mm. before, prior to the film that, or, you know, we don't know maybe, about. maybe, maybe, judging from that smoke that was coming out of her cigarettes, maybe she's smoking mustard gas. She, she's yeah. smoking something because, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's it's not um, cigarette smoke and I'm assuming it's not weed. I don't know. Not I don't my know. Thing. It could be because, okay, I was sitting there going, what does she, she looks like she is a character from The Great Gatsby mm. who's continued parting for 20 te- 20 tears? 20 tears. Mm. 20 years Probably too long. Tears mm. Yeah, she's just kept partying, kept partying. Yeah. And now... Looked up alcoholic, uh, like almost... On yeah, opium or... Um, yeah, just sort of... Uh, Ex-party girl. Party girl or... Um, also reminded me of like a bit like uh oh, I can't think of the name at the moment like someone who was a star on Broadway or something like that but then they're not famous anymore like or, um, I was about to say Audrey Hepburn no that was <laughs> not the person um, um played played Wizard of Oz in the played Dorothy what's her name Judy right. Garland yes yeah. yeah yeah I don't know if Judy Garland ever got to the dog stealing <laughs> stage not. no but she definitely got to the I'm a massive alcoholic and drug dependent stage. Yeah, is that true? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's a really iconic villainous role from Disney, mm. and she's mm. she's just great fun. Like you know, she it's is, it's really yeah. great. I, I really like when Disney does that when it's like their villains are just very obviously the villain. All that villain, like the demon phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her accessories are great. Her her cheekbones that go further than the rest of her face yeah as well as her hips yeah yeah and it's yeah she's just a fantastic presence and i think also helped by maybe the best bumbling sidekicks Mm, in a disney film of horace and jasper just they are they're tremendous fun and it's you know when the the goodies are essentially just talking dogs Mm. uh, and i say just talking dogs because they're (laughs) They're kind of just sort of very nice. They're yeah. not particularly, you know, each they're of the young. Cute. Yeah, they're cute. Each of the young Dalmatians have got particular things, like Patch is a bit scrappy and Rolly's always hungry and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but you've got these just wonderful pantomimic villains wandering around and yeah. Jasper and Horace abusing each other and smacking each other on the head. It's just, they're really fun to watch them cock it up time mm. and again. And I think this film does a fantastic job of that. Yeah. And watching this made me go, Oh, I remember, obviously, it was high rotation because it was my sister's favourite film, but I never really got tired of the film. I, it, was, it, it wasn't one where, as a kid, I was ever going, oh, no, not 101 Dalmatians mm. again. It was always um, like, yeah, sure, let's watch it. Once it starts, it sort of takes you on the journey and then yeah. it's mm. over. Like, yeah, then it wraps up and it's just, yeah, as you said, a nice sort of paced, concise mm. journey. Mm. Um, I wanted to touch on briefly um, the the television in this in this film the, the world yes. of tv mm-hmm. um 
it, I, I, it's a bit what? it's a bit interesting so we, we, yeah. it, specifically the what's my crime which <laughs> which is a crime? which is a play on a game show from the time called what's my line mm. with, but replaced it with the criminal thing i i just really enjoyed that scene i found myself <laughs> watching it this time i found myself more drawn to the what's my crime show than the dogs escaping mm. yeah um and it, i i just love the like the the, the very posh lady going uh, it, it, did you um oh i don't know how to phrase this um is did you did you do someone in like <laughs> and part of me is um, going now mrs bedwell hurry up keep speaking we we we've only got a couple of more time a couple more minutes yeah i i just love that sort of the the television in this in this particular world felt as though it was sort of making a comment on the way television was potentially going at that time mm. the fact that it was mm. this sort of slightly absurd what's my crime thing and then also earlier when we see the puppies all watching the thunderbolt tv show yeah. mm. uh with the dog engaged in well he's not engaged in a shootout but there's like a bad cowboy <laughs> shooting at him yeah um but the way that you know the puppies are reacting to that and you've got patch going tear his gizzards out and she's going don't say that i don't know where you've heard such language that sort of thing pongo's like not from me yeah yeah it's it is an interesting thing where i feel as though yeah there's a there's almost a slight commentary on on television here and i'm not sure exactly what it is other than i don't think the the medium's coming out positively I, i don't know entirely if it was a commentary on on um tv i think it was more just used as a story device um like what do criminals watch when yeah, they're not yeah. in jail and they're at home yeah mm. eating um, cake and sandwiches it just it just felt as though the focus because so much of the focus was on the on-screen action i don't know mm. if it was just because it was an opportunity for disney at the time this would have been one of their first films that was set in their contemporary time mm. to mm. sort of go look at the impact television has had over the last decade um because yeah 61 so they would have been making it during the late 50s when tv first really exploded in america i feel like it would there would need to be more of it in there because really there was only two instances of it being on i suppose um for it to for me for it to have really been obvious yeah maybe i'm just looking for something i don't know It it just struck me this time the television the way the way it was used it felt much more a part of the scene than I think television in a lot of other films is, mm. uh, unless it's a film that specifically like the characters travel into the TV or something. Yeah, mm. um, yeah it was just it was just a you sort did of see an extended thing. scene from that one um, show. Yeah, and the advert for Canine Crunchies mm, straight after course. it as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was, it was yeah. Kind when of I fun. saw the advert, I was like, oh, I see. I was like, going, oh, does that actually make an appearance? Is that uh, a, a big plot device but it's mm. really not it's yeah. just like you, you see it, it one you see time it, later uh, yeah and on a big billboard. advertising billboard yeah. but that's kind of about i was thinking the same thing going oh do they do they eat canine crunchies is that something yeah, that comes I was, up i was just trying to remember or is someone involved with canine crunchies that helps rescue the puppies or something Maybe it like was that? just uh the filmmakers saying well this in case you've missed it at this point this is a film about dogs it okay. could have been actually <laughs> just someone going let's put this in because this is mm. going to be a good marketing thing Mm. later on although toys hadn't really become a thing yet it could also just be that they were watching a show Mm. about a dog and then the dogs were watching the advert about dog food it could have just been that it's like oh the dogs of course they're going to watch something that's about dogs that's Mm. that's how this works um dogs watch tv yeah you all know this 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, I some, mean, some some dogs have ranks in the army. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what we get onto next when we uh, when the the dogs are stolen by Horace and Jasper, and I still think that's quite an affecting scene when you've got the nanny running out into the street going, yeah, oh, it's help, awful. Help. It is awful. Mm. Um, it, it it just made me that scene in particular just reminded me again how much. Pe- like some people are very much like oh dogs and cats they're just pets they're just animals they're mm. just living in your house but no they're they family they members. yeah they become mm. family members like um yeah just when when we first got Oscar like he's quite young he's mm. only, he's not even one and a half yet when we first got him he was so small we were actually afraid to leave him outside when mm. we had to leave him by himself eventually um because we were like we live in an area where there are birds of prey. Mm. I'm like, is he going to get stolen? Or, yeah, and just the fears of because he's such a mm. cute dog and such a friendly dog, is, yeah. is he going to get stolen or something if we leave him outside at the at the shops? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and you start fearing for this animal that really, if we're, if we're thinking about evolution or um, not evolution, but... Thinking about it logically, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. Um we shouldn't care as much as about these animals as we do, but mm. but we do. Yeah, yeah. Th- and you're right, Chris. They become family members. Yeah, and you, and you see the way um, uh, the nanny mm. is is you know she's when, so upset. She is, but initially she's upset because she thinks that there was. Horace and Jasper have stolen the silverware. She's mm. going, I bet they've taken the good silverware. And then when she opens the kitchen, sees the puppies, and it just gets, it's ten levels yeah. worse, and she's just horrified. And it's yeah, it is very affecting. And mm. then you see the twilight bark um the the communication chain which i thought was a great idea mm, yeah. and it showcased really well and it takes us to uh the the colonel this yeah. this uh dog out in a little group of like, freedom fighting animals yeah on a farm it's yeah, a dog a horse and a cat uh all <laughs> so fighting. set up to a bad joke yeah and um they, they discover oh there's puppies nearby because Sergeant Tibbs, and you were saying before, Chris, you're more of a cat person. You did, am, get, you did get your cat fix. Yeah, there was uh, the the one cat appearance uh, as an he underling. Was, to he was, the, a, he the was, dogs, but, but he was integral. Integral, mm. yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Had he, had good roles. And, if it wasn't you know, for him, the puppies wouldn't have made it. Sure, just one day he's building up, planning his the overthrowing of of animal society. Well, I to... imagine, I imagine once once the colonel eventually passes on to the great farm in the sky yeah. um he would be promoted yeah i you mean would hope you uh, would hope that there would be equal opportunities for canine yeah. and feline i i have workers. a feeling that it's kind of the the ranking has started with age because yeah. i feel like although horses live a lot longer than dogs i think yeah does a captain outrank a sergeant in the animal farm uh, army that's what i want to know what is their ranking system well, phone in right now and the, you could win a prize mm-hmm. in the army yes a captain outranks a sergeant yeah so the horse would but then the sergeant used the captain to kick horace and jasper in the butt he used them mm. like a like a gun so mm. i don't know yeah it's it, it's I, interesting i one. feel like maybe maybe the difference is the dog is actually the mascot cuz they they're not on a farm they're actually connected to like a regiment or something because mm. you see the oh, sign yes, of course oh, okay. you see the sign out the front um maybe the dog is actually the do- the regiment's mascot mm. so he's like well i'm the colonel then mm. Um, whereas the cat, they because they're on a, a farm, the cat just... You, it's probably just there. It's the 60s, so they probably have it as a mouser. Yeah. And the horse is probably a working horse. Yeah. So, yeah. 
We went far deeper into that than I thought we ever would, <laughs> yeah, and I love it. But yes, uh, Sergeant Tibbs and the Colonel, they locate the puppies. Uh, Pongo and Perdita are contacted, and they make their way out towards where the, uh, the Hell Hall is, which is kind of a giveaway name, really. Yeah. Um, and they make it there just in time well, to stop Deville, the Deville, to be fair, is a... Cruella yeah, Deville yeah. is a bit of a giveaway. Mm. We didn't touch on the song, I've just realised. Yeah. Uh, the fact that at the beginning of this film, obviously Cruella has done something to really tick Roger off. Because it's a very explicit. Well, song. she is. Yeah. She is. To be fair, she's obvi- He's obviously met her before, mm. and she is very clearly does not give a crap about him. Yeah. Does not find. Does not him, believe in the arts at all. Doesn't believe it. Thinks he's pathetic. And yeah. but for him to like write a defamatory song that becomes a hit song, yeah. suggests that maybe a lot of people don't like her. <laughs> would be my thought. This um, is when revenge songs really took off. Yeah, yeah. It's um. But yeah, he he he's just playing that that song the whole time she's there in what is a surprisingly music sparse film um in terms of the songs you have yeah. you have Corella Deville and you have at the end the Dalmatian Plantation song yeah i think it's sparse in terms of of songs with lyrics but the the soundtrack the soundtrack i find was quite 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 mm. good and yeah. very important and to, then when you, when you first hear that attention. in the opening title crawl when you hear the dun, 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 mm. that kind of like really happy cheery yeah. dalmatian tune i was like oh yeah I, I, I like that song i remember that <laughs> mm. but it's interesting that yeah we didn't have a point where like pongo and perdita are lost in the snow and then perdita does like a, a sad lament song for two mm. minutes mm. um which you would get obviously in particularly more recent disney films um i i kind of liked it i liked mm. that yeah they didn't well, have that many songs. I was trying to think of it, uh, think of other, like, Disney before this point, and most of them don't have very many songs. I think Pinocchio mm. probably has the most. Yeah, Pinocchio's got a few. Snow White's got a couple. I think they've all got, like, two or three. Uh, Sleeping, yeah, they, they all have two or three. Like, Sleeping Beauty has a but couple. But that's about it. Not, Cin- yeah, Cinderella. Not like, not like the more modern ones. Where there's, like, 12. Yeah. Yeah. Or even even if you go into the nineties, where there is very clear musical numbers, mm. yeah, um, and they're very much made a, a point. Mm. Yeah, um, it, it's, I, I guess it was maybe uh, odd having the musical character in Roger being the fact that he was uh, that was his whole thing and not having the song numbers. Yeah. yeah, it could also just be that they were trying to do a more faithful adaptation of the source material, keeping it closer That's to true. the book potentially. potentially. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think the film suffered for it at all. No, I, no. It, was, it was actually quite refreshing uh, to, mm. to have that. Um, yeah, so they, they managed to rescue the puppies. They begin the long trek through uh, Siberia, apparently. Yeah, um, yeah all of a sudden. March. I was like, I, I understood that, um, you know, when they're doing the Twilight Bark and Purdy's going, oh, it's too cold out, no one's going to be out, so mm. it's not going to work. Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, it is winter. But then for it to suddenly be like snowdrifts that are clearly yeah. at several metres deep. Mm. and Although that said, it, particularly in the early 60s in the UK, there were some really quite dreadful mm. cold snaps, like um, the just massive, massive amounts of snow that fell yeah. and disrupted like British society for weeks on end, mm. um, so they were more commonplace. But so, so it was maybe more that snap to cold, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> um, was maybe more uh, contemporary. Could, yeah, it's it, it's something that happened. Yeah, it was something that happened a lot more in the fifties, sixties, seventies mm. than it does mm. now. Almost as though the climate has changed in some way. Yeah, no. Um, yes, the we'll have to look into that later. Yeah. Um, but yes, the Team get some experts. get some scientists onto it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure the government the will listen. Catch up club scientists. <laughs> yeah, the climate catch hey, up there, club. There are a couple. 
We do yeah. actually, yeah, yeah. You could yeah. form your own science team, have like a mm. Captain Planet rings or something like that. <sighs> That's that's the next Patreon level, everyone. If you want to join <laughs> in, uh, but yes, Pongo and Perdus turn up. They rescue uh, Horace and Jasper. Uh, Horace falls in, face first into a cake at one point. Yeah, that's just we- randomly sitting on a piano. <laughs> yeah, they they end up. You know, their food gets stolen. They 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 they're, <laughs> they're all these the building falls down on them. They can, just they just have the worst yeah, time. Can I just uh, one thing that I always love about these films, and you find it particularly in. Um, Miyazaki films, Studio mm. Ghibli films as well. Food always looks amazing. Mm, yes. It looks unedible, but it looks, it looks amazing. Good. And it just like, yep. it's like watching Miyazaki films and they just have bread Steam and bombs, cheese and they're just like, on it. And it's like, oh, that just bread and cheese looks like the most yeah. delicious thing on the planet. And you have and to eat whatever you're watching good. in yeah. the film. You've got to go make it in and, the kitchen. And then you're like, oh, it's not that great no. in real life like it's, it it's good i suppose yeah. i suppose if the food was that good you would just have a cake lying around on a piano just because mm, yeah, it maybe. looks amazing oh yeah. no i've gone face first into it <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah they escape the farm animals help them escape uh they ev- they're eventually found by a, a very dashing collie who gets them to a dairy farm so that they can oh yeah that's referencing mm. lassie like nobody's business mm. yeah <laughs> I, for some reason i feel as though in the if they were to do a re-remake of this film and do it mm, with Don't like... tempt them, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Disney ones with that coming out this year. Um I feel as though that Collie would be voiced by Liam Neeson. <laughs> that was just some that was just something that hit me this time where it's like, we can help you. Come this no, way. No, I think it would be voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, you reckon? Yeah. I could see him I could see him playing it's against type and doing Sergeant Tibbs. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd be really good at that. Yeah. Or, or he could just be Roger. Just, oh, yes, yes, you could. He'd have fun playing the piano. Yeah. Um, who would play Cruella de Vil if you weren't getting Glenn Close back oh, in? Hmm. Who would you get these days? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe you'd actually go young mm. with Cruella de Vil, like Lady Gaga. Hmm. Uh, I mean, she probably has most of the outfits already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Potentially. Or, uh, well, Kate Blanchett in the in the remake of Cinderella was mm. the stepmother. She was so, very good. Yeah. yeah someone mm. like you could even go someone like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There'd be a lot of choices. Mm. Just for the pure physicality, uh, the comedian Eliza Schlesinger jumped into my head. I don't know. Who that uh, is. Yeah, her party goblin character. Uh, just, <laughs> just very physical. Could be interesting. Anyway, they're not going to remake it because they've already remade it. They won't do it a third time. Slow. He said. Hopefully. <laughs> how, do you, how do you spell her last name? Slow. With difficulty. <laughs> or maybe, oh, maybe you'd go like a really other way. Have someone like, like RuPaul. Oh wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. I could see that. Like, not necessarily RuPaul, but you know, mm. maybe so, like, yeah, someone in the drag community that could be interesting. Yeah. Although, then creates other other issues. Yeah. Mm. Well, you could always make Cruella Deville male. Mm. Mm. Craig um, Deville. Yeah, and you could still <laughs> Craig, could the still, obvious counterpart to Cruella. <laughs> you could still, um, yeah, have that obsession with fur and with mm. appearance and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, they were the only real um, center points of her character. Traits, yeah. Loves fur, is incredibly evil. Smokes yeah. something. We don't know what it is, but yeah. it's almost like I'm, an extension going, of her body. I'm going with mustard gas. She smokes mustard gas. Could be. Could yeah. be. Just, she just, she, she's that like wired that she just needs mm. something that strong to... Yeah, to burn out her lungs. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly die every time she inhales. Yeah. 
The film's climax is uh, the scene in the uh, in the little town, uh, little English town of Dinsford, where it's quite tense. Yeah, it's, yeah. it is tense. But there's yeah, there's a truck that's traveling to London. It's being repaired. If they can get all one hundred and one Dalmatians, because oh by the way, there were another eighty four in yeah. the yeah. By the way, house. That's where the rest of them came from. I was watching it thinking, is it just a thing? And then it's there's actually only fifteen or seventeen. Like, that's oh. a good point, actually. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, a mystery up until you saw the other 84 that they'd... And this is the thing I don't get. They just bought the other 84. <laughs> Why not just buy the others? They would have They would have not had any... Maybe, evil. Didn't maybe, you see the phone? Maybe they, they were just difficult it. to come by. Maybe they've they've got them out of all the all the pet shops. There's mm. no pet shops that they've gone to that have any more Dalmatians. So yeah. they're getting desperate. I, I, I just I just don't think Corella thought it through at all. No, it, uh, yeah, it definitely is like stepping up the illegality of it, making it more risky, mm. unnecessarily risky. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, these, but yes, these villains just don't think they think these things out. That's true. We're in Densford. Uh, they decide um, to cover themselves in soot to pass themselves off as Labradors, mm. uh, which is a pretty clever plan. Partic- yeah. yeah, particularly for some Dalmatians. Yeah. I know they're not real, but I was still <laughs> impressed. Going, oh, that's hey. pretty clever. Dogs, and, and I'm sure, Chris, you could say this about your cats. Sometimes you're like, how are you this smart? Am, am I projecting or they, am, are you just being amazing? And mm. Yeah, yeah. You're like, how did you figure that out? Mm. What's the smartest thing you've had a pet do? Because oh. my father had a budgie for a while Yeah, called Strop. Yeah. Uh, when I was born, actually, uh, it was around. And Strop could ride a miniature bicycle. Wow. I don't think I've ever had a pet that's done something like that. Mm. I've had, I've had pets do very, uh, very funny things, very silly things. Um, it's more just like I've had pets that have gotten into something that mm. I was like, yeah, they won't get into that. Nope, nope, they got into it. Mm. Um, or the, I guess the intelligent thing that Oscar does, although intelligence is maybe <laughs> eye of the beholder script. maybe <laughs> is um now when when i'm home alone and i've um asleep and my mum's left the house he he goes he used to we had to put a gate in the hallway to stop him do this he used to run and jump at my bedroom door because he'd figured it out if he does that often mm. enough mm. the door opens mm. right yeah that's, that's pretty clever yeah. i've had a couple of my cats take a lot of pride in being able to open like sliding doors and stuff mm. like that but i think the i think the most impressive thing i've seen slash slightly spooky is i went to saw my current cat um mm. precious pick up a peg that she was like just like playing with it herself like you know she'd hit it yeah. and react to it she picked it up with like her claws but like she doesn't have the opposable thumbs obviously like most cats but she just sort of extended them out and lifted it up and sort of looked at it that's pretty cool and i was like what? You can do this now? That <laughs> yeah, cat can do the washing. That's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, but yeah, the, the dogs do manage to escape. Cruella uh, goes burko and tries to ram the van off the road in a very terrifying sequence. Mm. Um, yeah. I, it was quite fun hearing you react, Chris, to all the crazy faces <laughs> that she was making. It was it was very affecting. Uh, and then, fortunately, though, Horace and Jasper completely cock it up and knock her car off the road instead of the van. Her, her car is just like, as it's flying apart, it's getting yeah. more and more demonic. It's just becoming mm. this incarnation of evil that yeah, they're she's definitely, driving it they're 
definitely leaning into the evilness of it. And it, and it works. And it was, yeah, it was tremendously good fun. The Labradors, in quotation marks, make it back to Roger and Anita. And then, oh, they're not Labradors. They're the dogs. They're just, they're just covered in soot. There's 101 of them. Oh, let's keep them. Let's dust them off inside the house. Yeah. And although they there. do, they do rightly say they're going to move to a bigger house yes. because uh, it's unfair to keep 101 dogs in that space. Uh, but yeah, and and it's you know it's a nice ending, and it just ends there. I mm. think it's a really yeah. good point for it to just go. Yep, we're done. That's the story. Yeah, yeah, it is a very clean cut, tight story. Mm. Um, Would you yeah. guys like some trivia about 101 Dalmatians? <laughs> yes, please. Is there 101 trivia points? Uh, disappointingly, there are only 84. <laughs> so. <laughs> so close. We're going to get the so last close. 16. Yeah. Um, so we'll find them in a barn somewhere. <laughs> Yes, uh, here are some trivia points. So, uh, Disney was in debt following the flop of Sleeping Beauty. Oh. Uh, it did not do well. What year was Sleeping Beauty? Sleeping Beauty was 59. Mm. Uh, so they were in desperate need of a hit. There was even talk of closing down the animation division of the company and focusing on live-action films, television, and theme parks. Ooh. Now, 101 Dalmatians did do well, so it yeah. it kept them going, um, and obviously now they are the, the monolith that they are. Mm. Um, but yeah, this was this was actually a really important film for them. What year did Disney die? Walt died, I believe it was 67. Okay, so um, he's still in control at this point. Yeah, he, he was not necessarily a big fan of the animation style of this film because this was the first film where they used um, Xerox photocopying. Yeah. Uh, partly just because there's so many dogs dogs, yeah. and so many dogs with spots, like yeah. very unique features. But the image quality wasn't quite as... Uh, it didn't have as much fidelity as mm. they were used to with previous films. Yeah. The backgrounds were also not as well um, well structured or animated mm. or painted mm. and Walt wasn't necessarily a massive fan of of that but yeah. also they had less animators than usual because they had to cut some mm. because this film was they needed this film to succeed and they were staff they, they needed, were in a bit of a financial keep it cheap yeah they were in a financial sticky wicket but the story was and that could also feed into the fact why there was less songs because they mm. had, could have yeah. less of the the spills and thrills yeah yeah it was like let's just tell a good story and hope people mm. like it Mm. Um, the birth of the puppies is actually uh, based on a real event that happened to the author of the book, Dodie Smith. Her oh. Dalmatians had 15 puppies and one was born lifeless and her husband revived it. Mm. That That is the one moment, particularly in, in both versions, that I always love and it always mm. like gets me to the verge of tears mm. because it's just... Yeah. And you see that little pink nose yeah, come out? Yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> it is. Um... Clarence Nash, who was best known for being the voice of Donald Duck, did the dog barks for this film. Oh, <laughs> that's great! Interesting. I'm presuming he didn't do all of them. I'm assuming some of them <laughs> were actual barks, but yeah, some of those some of those barks are Donald Duck. He's a session barker. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. come in, do some barks. Nice. Well, I think there are there are voice actors that do specialize mm. in that in that kind of stuff. Like, oh, they'll specialize in particular animal noises. Yeah, or, or you know, particular voice styles yeah. or things like that. I guess. Mm. Yeah. So. Of the 15 puppies that Perdita mm. gives birth to, only six are named in this film. Can I'm you name them? I'm that's surprised that's that many. Okay. Rolly or Rollo. Rollo, Rollo. Rollo or Rollo. Yep. Uh, there, I heard Pepper. Yep. Uh, Snatch. Patch. 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 Um, Lucky. Lucky. That's yeah. four. There was, a, there was a one that was like a... Der- it sounded like it was a derivative of, of, of Perdita's name. There was another P name one. Yeah. Uh, that was Pepper. 
No, I said pepper. Uh, uh, yeah. No, you said... Um, oh, you did, sorry. Uh, there is another P one on top of that. Yeah, um, like per- like Pearl or... There's Penny. Penny. That's the other one. And then the sixth one that was named was Freckles. Freckles. Don't think I heard Freckles. Mm. No. Um, in other incarnations like the live action film and the TV mm. series, there are six other names. Yeah. So Ooh. they've only named 12 of the 15. Yeah, uh, the other ones for those playing at home are Wizard, Dipstick, Two-Tone, Cad Pig... Uh, fidget and jewel. Yeah. So yeah, they've only actually named twelve of them. So maybe the dogs only ever named that's twelve but, of their kids. But that's to be fair, like in 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 shows or movies and things like that with um a lot like say say a show about a a class of students. Mm, you're not gonna um, find out. You don't you names. don't hear about all the names of every single student mm. because mm. there's just far too many. Or you know, yeah. if you're a parent and you have at least four children, sometimes you can just mix and match. And you yes, don't need as, to remember the yes, child's as, particular as you, name. As you saw earlier with my mother. <laughs> mm. Yes, I'll go. No, that thing where they walk and they go, uh, Michael, Charlie, yeah. Frank, uh, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Used it's to concerning that. when they eventually get to names that. Aren't <laughs> yeah, like Frank in that case. Um, the filmmakers deliberately cast dogs uh, with deeper voices than their human owners, so they have more power. So the yeah. the voice actors playing the dogs have got deeper voices. Yeah, which is kind of we don't really hear the humans speak all that much. Not they a huge amount. Had that sort of yeah, soft, I mean, singing kind but, of. But in general, um, they went for deeper yeah. voice. And really, you actors. only hear. There's only what five human characters that speak. So, no, sorry, six. Yeah. Uh, well, if you include the TV people, it gets yeah. up to about ten. But yeah, yeah, in terms of there in the world, there's really about six main characters, six mm. named characters yes. anyway. Mm. Disney feature animation later adopted the Twilight Bark as the name of their internal newsletter. Oh, that's oh. cute. Yeah. Uh, Eight hundred gallons of special paint weighing nearly five <laughs> tons were used to produce the animation cells and backgrounds. That's enough to cover 15 American football fields or the outsides of 135 average size homes. 1,000 different shades of colour were created. I, wow. I actually really liked the backgrounds in mm. this. Mm. There were some shots, like that shot of Big Ben, mm. where it's yes. all sort of faded, like, like you're looking, looking through right a fog. Up sort of I'm just that like, nice. oh, that's gorgeous. Mm. And mm. the colours in it were, were amazing. It was mm. very... Um, it kind of made me think of how... The Incredibles approach color, um, okay. A, like a little bit. Oh no, there was another one. There was another one that was really, like mod inspired. That kind of six. It it you can definitely see it tapping into some of the subcultures in art circles mm. of the time, um, which is really lovely and gorgeous and stuff. Yeah. Mary Wicks, uh, who did live reference for Cruella de Vil, um, so someone that they drew because mm. apparently <laughs> she looked enough like it. Um, well, she can do the movements at least. Yes. Um, would later go on to voice Laverne the Gargoyle in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, cool. I like, I love the, the gargoyles in Hunchback. It's yeah, so cool. It's a very sweet one. Mm. Um, Less Dalmatians, though. Yeah. But that's okay. Um, it does have... Wait, is there a goat that speaks? No, the goat doesn't speak. But there is a goat. Yes, that's very animated and personable. So well, I'm, I'm a Capricorn, so maybe I would enjoy that one. True. Mm, maybe. Uh, when Bill Pete, who was the um, head of story, and mm. in fact the only person that worked on the story for this film oh, wow. in terms of the screenplay, uh, when he sent Dodie Smith some of the drawings of the characters, she wrote back saying that they had actually improved her story and the designs looked better than the illustrations in the original book. Aww. So, that's, yeah. That's... It's kind of 
awesome for Disney. Mm. Feel a bit sorry for the for the writer. Yeah, we'd have to just let you know that this be is like, probably the definitive version. Yeah. yeah. Like, can, thanks for the draft work. Can we use it? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's in the book now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice that Dirty enjoyed it because obviously yeah. Disney doesn't doesn't always have a one hundred percent record with their their authors. No. Uh, as I we mean, saw with how... uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Was Mary Poppins before or after this? It would have been after. It yeah. would have been a couple of years after. Mm. I, th- I believe so. Yeah. It's um. Yeah, it's nice that Dodie apparently quite enjoyed this yeah. adaptation, which is which is good. Um, according to Lisa Davis, Walt D- Disney... Uh, Lisa Davis was the voice of Anita, uh, mm. by the way. Uh, Walt Disney took Cruella's look from Jean Jean Gabor, who was known for wearing fur coats. Ah. Uh, although Davis made use of her exceptional Jean Jean impression when she originally read <laughs> for Cruella, uh, she felt that she would be better suited to play the role of Anita. Mm. Uh, Walt listened to her read some of Anita's lines and ultimately agreed that, yes, she was better in that role than as Cruella. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think that's quite fun that they were looking at their contemporary people that day and going, yeah, okay, we'll take it. Oh, yeah. That. Well, it's always easier to draw something or to write something if you're using a real life inspiration because, you know, mm. life is stranger than fiction. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The final trivia point concerns the spots of the Dalmatians. Um. Someone with a lot of time on their hand, has counted all of the black spots in the film. Oh, wow. Frame by frame, we have a total of the number of spots so in this, this film. Is this recounting in each frame? Or? E- I, I don't know. All I know is that uh, I'm assuming that it would be each frame because yeah. then it would yeah. be because it's a new drawing. So yeah. someone has counted how many spots are in this film. Oh, my gosh. We're now going to play a game. Of how many spots Ooh, are in 101 okay. Dalmatians. Is this the point where you're going to add some, like, game show music? It is now! <laughs> uh, but, yes, yeah, so, uh, Chris, we'll let you go first. Okay. Um, how many spots do you think there were in 101 Dalmatians? I'm going to I'm gonna go and say that they were being a little bit cute and cheeky, and it's 101. Only 101? Maybe 101,000? Oh wait, yeah, that does each frame. <laughs> yeah. Could you, would you like me to give you a range? No. Okay. Um, I'm going <laughs> to go with 101. Break. I'm stick with it. <laughs> each Dalmatian has one spot in just one frame of the film, and the rest is an illusion. Yeah. Okay. Katrina. It's just it's flicking so fast <laughs> that you just. <laughs> That's why Blu-rays messed it up. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go in the 700,000 mark. Okay. Well. Katrina wins because she's closer by <laughs> actually going for a number that was feasible, but you're still way off. Oh, wow. There were 6,469,952 oh spots in this oh, That's round. why they needed Xerox. Mm. <laughs> yep. Um, and just for each individual design, uh, Pongo mm. has the most spots on him uh, in his sense. design. He is 72. Perdita is 68. And each of the pups has 32. Yeah, well, make makes sense. Pongo and Perdita having more because um, well, they're just bigger. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, close to seven Feel million. Like they missed out on a, a chance of having around hundred. They should. Number they should somewhere. have gone a hundred and one million. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah. Would, would have probably required a lot more dogs. Yes. But yeah, it's uh, but yeah, or so, smaller spots. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, uh, all that remains for us to do now is to score the film. Chris, this was your first time watching hundred and one Dalmatians. What are you going to give it out of 10? I will give it um, five. No. I'll give it five 
hundred out of a hundred and one thousand spots. Okay, so, so about five out of ten. Yeah, no, probably more about that. Translate to about six. Yeah, you're going for a six. Okay, <laughs> excellent. That's fair. That's fair. Um, oh yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it, and I thought it was a nice, concise, but yeah, fun film. And uh, also, yeah, I thought it was refreshing not having those songs. Mm. If there were more cats, would you have given it a higher score? May have bumped it up to an eight. That that's a big bump. That's for just including just switching some characters species. I feel feel like we should get you on the Aristocats because that'll blow your mind. I have seen Aristocats. Oh, there we go. And you enjoyed it. I did. See, that'd be be an awesome like comparison. Mm. Yeah, and and on top of that, you being the person who who has seen it, so. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Katrina, what would you give this film out of ten? Um, yeah, I like I I did enjoy it. I yeah, it is a very tight story. I do have some issues with some of the characters not being very well rounded. I would like mm. to know a little bit more why Cruella is the way she is. So mm. evil. Yeah. Coked up. Yeah, it's just <laughs> maybe she just is. Yeah, just need to add just one scene for just a scene snorting of her, a line of yeah. heroin. Just in bed. <laughs> Wait, snorting a line of heroin? Snorting a line of cocaine. Yeah. Horace, yeah. I found a vein in my foot. <laughs> Catch the needles. Um, so in light of that, and because it is so beautiful, I'm going to give it six and a half. I'm hungry, mum. Did you bring any food <laughs> out of ten? Okay, so six, six and a half. We're kind of all in yeah. that ballpark. I'm, I'm going to agree. It's... There's not really much I can fault with the film, but it's just, it's it's not a film which I would say is Ground is a standout film. It's not, yeah. yeah, but it's it is nice. It's pretty. It's it solid. is. It's a nice film. You can watch it with anyone of any age, and they'd they'd have yeah. a good time. There are some slightly scary moments. There is a lot of talk of um, how they're going to murder the dogs, which I yeah. forgot. Um, or how they're going to murder Cruella. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's I think it's interesting that um, that that. I'd forgotten about that to be honest, yeah. uh, but it, it's really it's really nicely told. It's a fun story. It's it's one mm. that I'll undoubtedly watch again at some point, mm. probably if my sister's around, because yeah. um, she still loves Dalmatians and she still thinks this film is great. And I think it's a great film as well, mm. but it's not going to have a super high score. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it uh, seven uh, canine crunchies out of ten. I think it's <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really fun film. And if you haven't seen it. Um, or you've only seen the live action one, I'd say give it a go. It's it's yeah. not terribly long yeah. and it's a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for this week's episode. So uh, Chris and Katrina, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you, Stephen. Yes, thank you, Stephen. And for those of you listening at home, thank you. Uh, if you would like more information, say, about uh, what we do or what films are coming up, then you can go to our Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. We're also available to be downloaded wherever good podcasts are. Well, they're not sold, but they're available. Uh, (laughs) They're available on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just go and look for us there. And, of course, if you want to become a member of the club, uh, you can join our Patreon. Just search for uh, us at patreon.com forward slash podcast. We'll be right there. You might get some bonus material here and there. And, uh, of course... There's there's another 100 episodes to go and listen to, uh, if you should so desire. So make sure that you are subscribed to us there. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.